Good evening. Welcome to Tuesday evening chapel. I know we're waiting for a couple of classes to come, but um, we're here. We need to move ahead. This is the first of the two 35, 35th annual DeLong Sermon Series chapels for 2009. I'm glad you're here. Uh, you will be glad you're here. If you'll look uh, in the bulletin just for a second, let me uh, remind you about uh, what's behind the DeLong series, why we do this, and, and the process. The Bible College and the DeLong family makes this series possible. It is in honor of those who served as pastoral mentors for years for the denomination. And I won't go through all the details, but it's inside the bulletin there. Um, students who participate in this process are nominated by their Christian preaching to professors. Uh, they submit a manuscript. The manuscripts are evaluated, and then uh, persons are asked to uh, preach based on that process. There are two students who will preach this year. Um, the person this, who's preaching this evening is Jenny Vanderhagen. The person who's preaching tomorrow is David Middendorf. I want to introduce uh, Jenny to you. How many people know Jenny Vanderhagen first? Let me just raise your hand. Okay. So I'm not going to introduce you to her. I'll just tell you a little more about her. We ask everyone to, to describe their journey and their family, and, and here's what Jenny has said. She's married to her husband. His name is John. We'll welcome him. Uh, they have a daughter named Crystal and grandchildren, Kyle and Dean. Um, she lived in Orlando, Florida for 28 and a half years before enjoying the weather here in Colorado Springs. Uh, raised around the Washington, D.C. area, but Orlando, I think, Florida's home. Uh, before she came to school, she was a trainer for a banking, for banking software company for 20 years. So anything you need to know about that kind of thing, Jenny's your person. Um, we asked them to describe their call in ministry. She, said, she puts it this way. God has called me to spread his word through preaching and teaching and discipling others. She anticipates her future ministry being discipling others in a local church setting in Florida, it says in parentheses right here, um, and also intends to develop a ministry plan that will help other small churches, small congregations implement discipleship programs. Then other comments. She said, I enjoy people care deeply for others, love the outdoors, not so much though the cold and snow. Thrilled and humbled that God would choose me uh, so late in life to be a part of his plans in this capacity, or rather, it took this long for me to surrender to and cooperate with his plan for my life. So I hope and pray that no one else waits as long as I did to be in the center of his will. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Uh, Jenny, would you come up? I want to give you a certificate. This certificate says that it is awarded to Jenny Vanderhagen in recognition of her participation as a preacher in the DeLong Sermon Series, 5th day of May, 2009, Nazarene Bible College, Colorado Springs. We're looking forward to your ministry. Thanks so much. Your hand. It is the prayer of our hearts. Reign, Holy Spirit. Reign and move, Holy Spirit. Into all of our hearts, into every parts of our life, to every part of our lives, we want to be your vessels. We want to be changed by you, by your work, by your word, through your ministry in us. 
we give you permission. We open ourselves to you. Help us to hear and to respond as you have in mind for us. We pray it in the name of Jesus who makes it possible. Amen. You may be seated. Good evening. Good evening. If you would please open your Bibles. We're going to read from Ephesians chapter 5. Now I know in the bulletin it said chapter 5 starting at verse 18, but I really think we need to go back to verse 15. So I'm going to begin the reading at verse 15 and then go through 21. Be very careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk with wine which leads to debauchery. Instead be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music to the Lord in your heart, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The USS Nautilus was the first American nuclear submarine and it had a very special mission. The epic journey was to navigate under the polar ice cap. Now, navigation is typically done through stars or um, compasses, radio beams, and so forth, but under the thick Arctic ice cap, you don't have any of those things. And also, um, in gyroscopes and gyro compasses, above 85 degrees, both magnetic compasses and the typical gyro compasses become inaccurate. So there was a risk that this submarine mm, might become disoriented beneath that polar ice cap and they would have to play a little longitude roulette <laughs> trying to find out where they are. Well, this um, was a risk that they were willing to take because they had a new guidance system. This was called the um, inertial guidance system. And it doesn't use the typical longitude and latitude reference points and compasses and everything that were um, at that time of the years. They, the way this works, and I don't want to get too technical, but it just takes an initial position and velocity that's input by a human operator or get it from a GPS satellite. And from then on after, the computers update the position of the ship based upon uh, velocity and integrating information from motion sensors. And so that USS Nautilus was able to navigate under the polar ice cap without any outside navigational means like stars, radar, compasses, and so forth successfully with this internal inertial guidance system. Um, 
as believers, we also have the availability of an inertial guidance system. Uh, we call it the Holy Spirit. Um, once initialized, he is available to help us to navigate through all the dangers and the pitfalls of life. In this letter to the Ephesians, Paul was speaking to that church and those people about living the life of love as imitators of God. You need to look at the whole book really together to get all of the things that he was talking about and it comes down to this focus. You know, in that day, there was a lot of evil, a lot of um, things that would distract the Christians. And this was written so that as an encouragement to the Christians there in Ephesus. Before they had Christ shown in their lives, they had lived those unwholesome lifestyles, uh, impure deeds, and so forth. And so they needed some encouragement to stay on track. It's not a reprimand. We don't have to do this on our own. He was actually telling them also, you've come a long way and you have overcome so much. And now you still can continue to overcome with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He's there to guide you in all things. The crux of this passage is in verse 18, when it says, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. What I think Paul was also trying to say is an illustration of how people act when they're drunk or not in control of themselves. I'm sure that you have experienced either yourself or somebody around that has been drunk or has been not in control of themselves. You know, they just don't know what's really going on. Uh, they have impaired judgment. They're influenced by all different kinds of things. They're not normal. <laughs> That's a way to say it. Their inhibitions are out the window, and they're just plain not in control of themselves. They're in control of whatever substance that is. I think also, if we look at the whole chapter, or the whole book of Ephesians. There are other things too besides just getting drunk and being not in control. What about when fear has overtaken your sensibilities or anger has overtaken, lust has overtaken? Um, just all of these things can overtake you, but they don't have to. They don't have to. But these things can overtake our thinking and we can be out of control. Those emotions or those substances can control us. Back in verse 15, Paul says, be very careful then, because all of this is around you. Be very careful and be wise. And that's a good reason not to get drunk with wine or be so under the influence of anything else besides his spirit. And the second part of verse 18 gives the remedy. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, not with these other things. You might say to yourself now, well, you know, I don't have that problem. I can stay away from those behaviors and, and 
you know, I've already been sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. So what can I take from this? Well, we need to be filled. But we got to look at what Paul is really saying with the words. And you know, the Greek is not exactly um, translated very easily into English in a lot of places. The uh, Greek language is much more rich sometimes than what the English language is that we can translate it into. And so when Paul says here, be filled with the Holy Spirit, what does it mean? Well, a little technical. <laughs> in the Greek, this be filled is a verb. It's a passive verb. It's in the present tense, and it's in the imperative mood. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> in the being a passive verb, well, we know about verbs in the English language are usually actions. You know, I run is a verb, or, you know, I, I drive the car, something. It's an action, but this is a passive verb. This means something that you have done to yourself instead of doing, doing it yourself. We don't fill ourselves. It's not something that we can do, but something that we have to allow. It's like going and getting your hair cut. You have to sit there and let them cut your hair. <laughs> you know? It's not something that you're doing yourself, but that's the idea of a passive verb. It's in the present tense. Now, we know the present tense means right now. Well, in this, it means right now, and right now, and right now, and right now. It means continuous. It's an ongoing process, a continuous replenishment. Um, it's an experience that we need to enjoy constantly, like breathing. I don't want to stop breathing. I want to enjoy that process continually. I want to keep breathing. So that is that present tense. Then the imperative mood. This is a, an issue of a command. It's not something that, well, you can take it or leave it. No, this imperative mood says this is a command. It's not an option. And here, this is for all Christians, not just a select few Christians. This is intended for all Christians. It is imperative. It is a command. It is an expected behavior, an expected um, option. No, not option. It's an expected behavior. <laughs> So that is what really be filled, and it really is better translated as be being filled because it's that constant turnover, that constant process, not just a one-time thing. You're filled and that's it. And fill here also has nothing to do with contents or quantity, as if we were an empty vessel that needed a certain amount to be filled up. No, it means to keep being filled. And in this passage and in other areas in the New Testament, this to be filled means to be controlled by, be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. So we should be constantly filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit in our minds, in our emotions, in our actions, um, I brought this little water feature here. Maybe some of you have seen similar things, but this is constantly being filled and refilled. It's under the control of the motor. And uh, 
That is the command center. Well, this command to be being filled with the Holy Spirit is that command to be constantly refreshed and refilled, and he's in control. He's in control. Well, now that we know why we should be filled with the Spirit, what about, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, there is a well in St. Margaret's Bay, which is in the southeast of England. And this well is very close to the seashore, so that whenever the tide comes in, the tide covers up this well. But in this particular well, the well waters are always fresh. They don't get contaminated by the briny sea washing over at high tide. It is being constantly filled from the springs and the runoff and the mountains above it. And it's just so fresh water keeps pouring into it so that it never becomes stagnant, it never becomes um, brackish. The salt water from the ocean tides that, falls, that flows over it every high tide does not contaminate it. Well, like this well, when we have a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, moment by moment, there's no room for anything unwholesome. There is no room for unwholesome behaviors or thoughts when we are constantly, when we're filled up to the brim constantly. The world can't get in. In fact, we overflow. To be filled with the Spirit is to be to be moved along on our Christian life by God himself, like the breeze that fills the sails and it's moved along by the wind. Um, it's also like um, the idea of salt permeating meat uh, in order to flavor it and preserve it. It just gets all the way in there. Uh, and, and God the Holy Spirit wants to permeate us so deeply. He wants to permeate the lives of his children so deeply that everything that they think and say and do will reflect his divine presence. To be filled with the Spirit is the same as Jesus' command to abide in the vine. John MacArthur made a comment. He said, a Christian can accomplish no more without being filled with the Holy Spirit than a glove can accomplish anything without being filled with a hand. A Christian that isn't being filled with the Holy Spirit all the time is as powerless as a flashlight without a battery, <laughs> as useless as a string trimmer without a string. <laughs> He's about as uh, productive as a conductor without an orchestra. God says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now each Christian, a true believer, has all of the Spirit, but this command is that the Spirit have all of him or her. That's how we can be filled. We have to allow that. In Acts 6.15, we have Stephen. He was a man that was filled by, with faith and filled with the Holy Spirit. Faith had filled Stephen in the sense that it controlled him, and the Holy Spirit filled Stephen in the sense that it controlled, that he controlled him. Therefore, the fullness of the Holy Spirit has reference to his control 
over the believer that's yielded to him. Well, we know what it means now to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and what about the results? What happens, or what are the results or the evidences that we are being filled by the Holy Spirit? How can a person tell? Well, in our passage, Paul tells us what are the results, and what does it look like when a person is being constantly filled by the Holy Spirit? There's three things. That person being constantly filled with the Holy Spirit is an encouraging Christian in verse 19. He is a thankful Christian, verse 20. And he is a submissive person in verse 21. Therefore, our Christian walk is to be manifest in certain behaviors. And they exemplify the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The encouraging part, we communicate with each other. It says, speak to one another. How? encouragement with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's how we can lift up and encourage each other. That's how we're evidenced that the Spirit is filling us. Worship together, make music together, sing to each other. Also, fellowship with the Lord, communication with the Lord. In verse 19 also it says, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Now I know not everybody wants to sing out loud, <laughs> but you can still even sing to the Lord in your heart and he hears. Singing out loud also encourages others and he likes to hear us and you know it doesn't matter what we sound like, it's all music to his ears. That's the spirit-filled Christian, somebody who is communicating with the Lord. Also, a spirit-filled Christian is full of thankfulness. In verse 20 it says, Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, does he say we're to be thankful just for the blessings? We're to be thankful for the happy times, the joyful times, the, the rewarding times? No. Everything. That's my word. That's the word that's in my Bible in everything, in our suffering, in our disappointment, in our failures, we are still to be thankful to the Lord. It is in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are thankful in everything, in all situations. You know, a real uh, test of, or a display, not a test, of whether you are a spirit-filled Christian is how you conduct yourself in adversity as well as in good times. And then last of all, submissive. The spirit-filled Christian is a submissive Christian. Now, we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's verse 21. This means that we are willingly, we willingly serve others. And we would rather be under them than dominating them and exalting ourselves. Now, this doesn't mean that we're doormats. That's not it. What it means is that we are subordinating our rights to somebody else's. And it's out of our reverence for Christ. Not for our own satisfaction, not for our own, you know, whatever we're going to get out of it. No, it's out of reverence for Christ that we submit to one another. 
And our example, the greatest example that we have, is Christ's submission to the Father's will. So as we submit to the Father, we will be more able and willing to submit to one another. Well, I hope you're getting the idea now. <laughs> Every Christian is commanded to be filled and to be constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit and not to be being filled with the things of this world. Under the power and control of the Holy Spirit, not under the control and power of anything in the world or even our own emotional, uh, emotional uh, tides and whims, he will guide you along. He will move you along through life if we are allowing him to constantly fill us. Be directed by that inertial guidance system of the Holy Spirit instead of any personal or earthly source. God is waiting. He's waiting to, for you to open yourself up to him. And sometimes that means letting go of some things letting go of selfishness, letting go of pride, letting go of strong emotions that make you feel you're not in control of yourself. Maybe it's letting go of substances, letting go of abs um, uh, attitudes, and then letting him fill you. Allow him to fill every nook and cranny in your being. Maybe you have been filled with the Holy Spirit before, but this passage is telling me that we need it again and again and again, moment by moment being filled, not just one time or one occurrence, but constantly every day of our Christian walk. Ask him to fill you and be that encouraging, thankful and submitted person that he wants you to be. I know I want him to be that for me. I want him to be filling me this very moment and this moment and this moment and every moment of every day. I'd ask you to join me in prayer and maybe you need to get rid of some of those things to make room for the Holy Spirit to fill you. But I'd invite you to come and pray as we ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us moment by moment, every moment starting right now. Empty yourselves and let's wait upon the Holy Spirit. If anyone would like to come and pray, I just encourage you to do so, to open yourself to the Holy Spirit's infilling and be being filled this moment and forever. Heavenly Father, you are almighty God. We just praise you. We just thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. As we have seen here in your word, you want to come and fill us and control us as your servants, as your ministers. But we need to be available. We need to 
ask. We need to be willing to accept your infilling. So I pray, Holy Spirit, rain down on us. Fill us. Help us to be encouraging, thankful, and submitted servants. I give you the praise. Amen. Holy Spirit, you have been here. And we acknowledge you, we love you, we praise you. And we ask that you would continue to be with us as we go throughout the evening, throughout our, the rest of our class, as we go home. Continue to feed us, continue to fill us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you.